one. The boys are back. We had we a little back. hiatus. We had a little hiatus, but for good reason. Um, we'll probably go into that just a little bit before we head into our topic. Um, but we're finally back. We're promising an educational episode today as per the title. Um, so you guys get to actually learn from us for once instead of listening to us talk about our food escapades um, for, for, an, for an episode, even though we probably will talk about food at some point during this episode because the topic that you see in the title does line up to it. Uh, but before we get into that, let's go over everyone's recall quick. Uh, wow. Week real quick. That's how you know. That's how you know I've been working a lot of hours this week. Uh, Dylan, let's kick us off with you. Sure. My week was good, man. Um been really busy we got some business stuff going on we we launched uh bulk protein at one of our locations in saskatoon which is sort of like our flagship location it's by far the biggest store we've done so there was uh you know that was just fun to watch come to life and there was some work in the background yeah Yeah, when i went to montreal a while ago that's what we were doing is josh and i and we were formulating those um uh, proteins the group and i and uh and flavoring them so that was cool to see it come to life because it's been in conception for a while um i took on a few new athletes today or uh yeah today well one today one yesterday um so that was pretty cool uh one i found out is my current client and mentee's dad and i didn't know because they have different last names (laughs) so i didn't know until like five minutes ago right before i started that so i was like oh that's pretty cool and um the other one was a competitor slash health case so those are kind of fun it's like fix me and then i'll compete if possible but anyway so uh it's been really good man just trying to keep up with all the work and uh we had some exciting stuff happen this morning and maybe i'll let you guys dive into that but um yeah how was your week Brayden? good good really good i uh well we haven't chatted since we won a pro card in toronto so that was uh, yeah that was a cool thing that went down uh a week as of yesterday we got uh took pat out to toronto for toronto pro qualifier and uh, ended up winning a pro card in Masters. I uh, won the heavyweight Masters 40 plus and then the Masters overall there, which was really, really nice. It was good feeling that again. And uh, just really cool seeing him how emotionally was and stuff. He worked really hard for it, man. And lots of sacrifice getting up to that point, right? So that was amazing. And I don't know, I just, I love that shit, dude. Seeing, seeing the- Oh, bro, I'm telling you, it was something else for me. Man, really? I walked I walked back before before they even brought him out for the overall. And I went back to my seat and I turned around and looked at Sarah and I was just like, Your husband's getting a pro card today. And she just she started crying, like right there. And uh <clears throat> yeah, you just see the passion in people, man. I mean, she's a pro herself, right? So she knows what it takes to be a pro. And yeah, it was pretty damn cool, man. So that that was obviously a really, really good start to the week, but then it's always catch-up time when you get home from those trips. So it was pedal to the floor just playing catch up I had uh an athlete actually hire me literally on the Friday when I was in Toronto we had a call um while Pat and Sarah were in the room and uh got him set up he had wanted to hop into a prep but push came to shove I looked at his blood work and unfortunately there's going to be no prep right away for him but we'll get him on stage uh, eventually we just got some things we need to get in order I had uh, a couple other athletes sign up this week as well that I'm working on getting set up right now here. Um, yeah, man, some, some really good things happening. Um, some really cool things happening on the back end with the team. The team is uh, growing and uh, some, some more to come there in the future, but we'll leave that kind of as is for now. Um, but I am really happy with, 
everything right now. Things are just lining up and you know when you have a vision for things and you it kind of starts to come to fruition because people around you are, are pushing for it and you're pushing for it and, and things just start falling in place and right now it just feels like that kind of thing is happening between some of my athletes really catching their stride in the tail end of their prep here and, and good things happening with their physique to like I said the team kind of shaping up in, in a way that I really have wanted it to over the long term. So lots of good things there. I, I filmed another podcast yesterday morning. Actually, I was invited on to uh, another podcast with Trey from the opposite there. I know you know him, Anthony, and we had a really nice talk about some co competitive stuff and competing things. So yeah, I'm excited, man. We're just going to keep marching forwards and doing the damn thing, have another good week ahead here and see what it brings. Yeah. I mean, I was on that podcast, so I know how it was. I think I was yeah. the first few episodes. So uh, excited to hear that one. Um, definitely. I don't listen to as many podcasts now. I just make them <laughs> like right now. I, I'm the same way, man. I don't ever listen to them anymore. I used to love listening to them, but I just, it's really tough to find the time to sit and listen for an hour. Right. And like, I'm really weird that some people can do this. I'm not somebody who can multitask in the sense of like have background music on or a background podcast or something on yeah. while I'm working. Like I, I'm, I need literally complete silence. Otherwise, I'm just like scattered. So oh, I'm the same way, Braden, because I have ADHD. So I'm already multitasking in my brain. I need exterior from yeah. that still and predictable. Otherwise, it drives me nuts. Like, yeah, I've never I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I talked to my sister and she's in she's just mm -hmm. finishing her master's in psychology right now. And she says I have every single trait of somebody who has super high functioning um <laughs> you ADHD. for sure do i don't have to die. oh you 100 <laughs> no, I mean, we all do i do too yeah. i i yeah, mean like i had to take medication starting in like first grade for mine so i mean <laughs> so it's always been around for me um my week's been good um i had a really busy work week in general just kind of taking on some new responsibilities at my full-time job which is obviously great to have that experience and get to witness that um <laughs> Some things could have went better, obviously took some notes. So I have one more week kind of in that role before I go on vacation to go visit Mark and friends for a nice little week long, uh, getting to train market to see me pose market to see me move, see how I work out, things like that. So we'll probably be able to plan out a few things too, as well, in terms of where we want to go with certain things. Um, so being able to kind of take a week and just be kind of like a bodybuilder and coach. It's going to be a week I'm looking forward to greatly. Um, I signed a few clients too as well. So it seems like we all had some good weeks with signing a few clients. Um, I signed a, one was a former collegiate athlete. So I'm very excited for that case because I know how oh, athletes are. Sprinter. <laughs> What'd you say? said I'm still praying she's a sprinter. Oh yeah. I still got to ask her. I got to ask her which one she is. Um, but then I also got another one who eventually wants to compete down the line, but we'll start from we're not starting from ground zero. She's worked with the coach before, but we're kind of starting from getting the basics down and then we'll get to that. Um, so I'm looking forward to taking uh, her through that whole process with things, because I think that's a really fun process to actually coach through. Um, other than that, obviously some things went pretty well this week. Um, I always say like, like my best quote is surround yourself with good people. You never know when it pays off. Um, and some big news will be coming pretty soon. Um, in terms of things with these things, I can't announce anything at this time, but um, in terms of the direction that I'm heading and everything, it's purely forward 
Uh, as I've said this week in my one post, it's headed into the storm and there's no going away from it. It's just we go straight in and see what happens. Um, so looking forward to that too as well. Um, so the week overall has been good, man. I'm enjoying it. So my clients are hitting their stride too. My clients are getting strong as fuck. So <laughs> I honestly fucking love it. getting really strong. Hey, I love seeing that. Dude, 270 for fucking six today. I told her, I told her she better be taking, she's going on a trip this week. So I'm going to use it as like a deload. So I'm like, okay, we're going to training break you here. It's kind of like a diet break and a training break within one, within one week here while you go yeah. to like a festival. And I'm like, okay, then we're coming back and we're, I'm changing your training program. We're going to keep basically the same movements, but we're going to hammer home some more hypertrophy type training and do a little, little less volume in terms of things and even things out and really start to push progressions as hard as we possibly can. But it's honestly just been challenging her. Um, and Dylan's kind of known this because I throw Dylan her videos every now and then throughout the week because I have certain movements I want her to really progress in. And I call out numbers. Dylan actually really liked this term. I was like, I just call her out and tell her, and tell her what to get and she gets it. Right? I love doing that, man. I love doing it because like somebody sends you a set and they think it's failure and you're just like, okay, really good set. Awesome. But I want three more on top of that next week with the same load. They're like, yeah. what? And then next week they do it. And all of a sudden their last rep was like a fucking grinder, but they did it. And it's like, see, that's a set. Yeah. You can add five pounds to that and match your reps. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, dude. She sends me the same. She sends me like the melting face emoji when it's like melting down to the side. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, great set here. I was like, add 10 pounds per side, get, get nine reps. And she's yeah. like, I got nine reps with this weight this week. I was like, yeah, get nine yeah, reps, exactly. 10 more pounds <laughs> yeah. per side. And she'll yeah. just send me that emoji. And I'm like, good. This is how I know I'm doing things right. If someone sends me that emoji where they're just like, fuck, I got to do this next week. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Um, so her dieting phase is going really well. As you guys saw, I posted my guide today. Um, we're about to be heading back into a growth phase. November starts prep for him. So I just made his split tonight. So I'm probably going to send that to Dylan and kind of give kind of get a little thoughts on that one um, and see where I want to head with, with him um, and progression. So, man, I'm, I'm also dieting. I'm, I'm, I hit new lows the past two days. I'm in the official, officially in the one sixties. I feel small as fuck. <laughs> I went, the, I went the opposite way, man. I'm almost in the two twenties again. <laughs> uh, um, one day, one day I'll get there. Maybe I'll catch up to you in like four years. I'll get to 220. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll catch up to me. Full medium and large thing going here. We got like a 165 and a 195 and a 220. <laughs> so I'm hoping to I drop mean, another. I, man, I was trending. I was like, when I was in Toronto, my weight had dropped because I told you guys, about, I told Dylan at least about the shit show on my first day with my food delivery. And I ended up, again, I <laughs> pissed off. I, I have been holding myself to this high standard and like, I'm sure Cam thought I was a whiny bitch in my check-in because like I was just disappointed, man. I, I've been holding myself to this high standard and all of a sudden something out of my control and the guy who was supposed to deliver my meals ended up delivering them like six hours late. So I had no food and like I was just losing my mind. So I tried banging all my meals in and there's no way I was getting that meal in at the end of the day. So I wake up in the morning, like 212 pounds or something. I'm like, fuck me. But yeah, got back on it, had a good week. And the last two days, I was like 216.4, 216.2. 2. And then I had a high day yesterday. I woke up this morning. I was like, whoa, 219.6. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, I wish I was, I wish I gained three pounds. I'm still eating a good amount of food. We're still, we're still keeping the same macros. We honestly haven't changed macros in five, five weeks, six weeks now. So 
you know, to keep, we're progressively getting around one and a half pounds off me each week. And I think it just comes down to my effort to truly be honest with the training. I told you boys before we hopped on here, my training is at my all time best. I even have to bring down my training days now because it's that intense and it's getting to that level. Um, so we'll see where we're at. I'm hoping to drop another like two pounds before I leave for this trip on Friday. That's what I really want. I want to get that and get a nice little, hopefully get a nice little refeed. If you're listening, Mark, that would be nice. As was, I have a wedding. I have a wedding on Saturday. So I'm like, ah, you want to sneak in a little bit, Mark? <laughs> just sneak me in a little extra calories. Um, but no, I'm enjoying life. So, um, but today's topic, guys, we'll finally get into it because we talk enough. Yeah, yeah, let's dive into it. We're going to do it. We're going to do a dive into insulin sensitivity. Um, I feel like we should take this from an off-season approach. And then if you guys want to do the next one, maybe we could take it from a, hey, what are we looking at in a contest prep? Because I know there are different types of techniques used. And I think insulin sensitivity is actually fairly important in contest prep too as well. And a lot of people think just because you're in a deficit, you should be insulin sensitive, but it doesn't really work that way sometimes. Um, so um, let's just do it from like a growth phase. So does anyone want to start with like, I guess we'll kind of start with what it is, right? Yeah. Like, I guess if you're talking insulin sensitivity, you have to kind of define what insulin resistance is, right? Yep. That's correct. <clears throat> so, I mean, I guess I can take it. Sure, I'll, yep. I'll run with it. So basically when we ingest carbohydrates, the body breaks them down into um, glucose and glycogen, right? And, and when that happens, the body then produces insulin. Um, when you consistently have large amounts of insulin being pumped out and the body's just requiring to kind of keep up with that very high levels of blood sugar, the body needs to move that. Um, you're in a, in a very, in layman's terms, you, your outputs get exhausted and your body just can't keep up. So what happens at a cellular level is the cells actually become resistant to that insulin. So your body's going to need to continue to create insulin, but you're just not going to really, really utilize it in the same way, Right. So now all of a sudden you have higher levels of sugar in the blood higher chance of these sugars being stored as body fat. When the body fat goes up, it has a big effect on the insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity again. So it's almost like a negative feedback loop where continually, like you're going to feel like shit, you'll feel tired, but you're also continuing that loop if you don't get yourself out of it. Right. So realistically, like that's kind of in the way I'm going, what insulin resistance is from a very simple way. I don't know if we need to get right down to brass tacks with this. Super <laughs> no, I don't parts. think that's beneficial for most of the listeners, to be honest. Yeah. I think I think a good way to kind of talk about it, and this is kind of the analogy I use, I call it a lock and key relationship. So you have these little like insulin receptors that are the lock to each cell and your body needs to find the right key. So it produces insulin to to find the right key to fit into the hole, right? And yeah. unlock and unlock this and unlock it to put in that glucose, right? And I say after a while, and this is what we'll talk about, we'll talk about our strategies for insulin sensitivity and things like that. The body gets tired, like you said, and it stops really being efficient with that key and finding that specific key for that cell. And it ends up having to produce more insulin to keep up with what's in the body. And over time, it eventually tires out from finding the key. It's like, fuck it. At that point, it's just like, fuck it. I'm going to stop finding the key and your blood glucose will just be few. And so will your fasted insulin because it's going to keep trying to pump out to save it. And you yeah. Get and, and for like, for the listeners, I guess, like people might be wondering like, where's insulin coming from? Well, it's coming from the pancreas, right? That's where, that's where we're actually producing insulin. That's going to respond to um, 
the level of sugars in the blood. It's kind of basically just a mechanism that, that happens, right? Your levels in your sugar or your, your sugar levels in your blood are high. The body is going to try to increase the levels of insulin produced to get those sugars out of the blood and store them as glycogen in the muscle. When that yeah, and or, and, and or brain glucose. What's that? Sorry. And or brain glucose. Cause I yeah, think yeah, absolutely. Person, I think on some of the data that we have, the average person is using about 80% of the glucose that they store is either going to their, or that they take in, sorry, is either going to their brain, liver, or body fat. And then in bodybuilding situations, I think the idea is that you're trying to skew that number to get more of it through translocation to the muscle, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and a prime example of that is if somebody does an actual ketogenic diet, right? And when you, when you transition to an actual, and most people think they're doing keto, but they're not doing keto. You need low protein and stuff. And I've done, I've done real keto before and it's, it's pretty fucked up. It's pretty wild. It's not basically, honestly. Yeah. So you literally change your brain from functioning on, on glucose and glycogen to functioning on ketones or the energy reserves that are pulled from fat. Right. So it's uh, it's a really wild thing. People like joke about it, but when you actually make that switch, you get that brain fog and like that keto drunk, they call it or whatever. That's a real thing. Like I, I couldn't remember shit for past the 10 minute mark. I felt like I had short-term memory loss. It was wild for a, a small period, but yeah, that's kind of, I guess, a rundown on what it is. Yeah. Dylan, you got anything you want to add there? Uh, not really. That was all pretty, pretty much awesome. for the sensitive, for the defining it. Anyway, that was, that was good by me. So why do we think, I, I guess, I guess, why do we think it's important from a bodybuilding stance to actually worry about this? Cause I think this is a big thing. Um, so, actually discuss and don't I'll let you take that one away because I think you have some good points I think, on this. Um, I think we can simply put, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible and also provide a good amount of information. Um, an insulin sensitive person, I think we could all agree is probably going to be, be able to partition nutrients better. So like, okay, well then what does that do? Well, a lot, <laughs> because exactly what we just talked about, we're trying to skew muscle or, uh, insulin and and or glycogen to the muscle not necessarily to fat storage etc so that's why when you're really really insulin sensitive you can eat a good amount of carbohydrates and maintain a high skeletal muscle mass and your body just functions a lot better too uh, less inflammation you know as insulin starts to creep up in the body and your fat, uh, your blood glucose is always always riding too high digestion is going to get skewed. <clears throat> so as an athlete who's trying to grow or diet, we all work with functional health. It's like when your digestion goes, that's everything, man. Like this, this is a game of eating in some sense, what, no matter what direction you're going. And if that process doesn't work, I think, I, I think it's cool, actually a little sign tangent that people I think are starting to realize this a little bit, you know, because it's like, if you can't eat the food for a good amount of time, you have no runway. It's just like, you're, you're not, you're not ever creating the momentum. So I think uh, you're going to carry less inflammation. Your sleep's going to be better. Your training's going to be better. Uh, your recovery's going to be better. You know, so, I mean, it affects pretty much everything. Um, simply put, it's, it's quite important to pay attention to, but not obsess about <laughs> also. Yeah. And I guess if the bro wants to kind of know too, also the great thing, it's better pumps. <laughs> if your body can get the, yeah, it's, yeah. if your body can get that glucose into the cell a lot better, you're going to have great pumps. I can definitely tell you that. And as being someone who, you know, we'll kind of get into the testing aspect, right. And everything like that, but 
from someone who at its peak off season was at like the upper nineties to one hundreds versus now where, I mean, I'm hitting seventies and low eighties. It's a complete difference in terms of how I feel during my training and how well you process things. And you got to be very careful when you start to get down into those seventies, low eighties, because your body can really start to churn pretty hard. Um, and this is obviously a good thing too, for a lot of people, because it means you're actually using, you're actually using the energy that's, uh, that's readily available for you to use. Um, and I agree with Dylan, obviously we're not looking at, we're not just looking at insulin sensitivity from a, from a perspective of nutrient partitioning, right? We're looking at it. I mainly look at it from an inflammation perspective, um, and stress perspective to truly be honest. Um, if you're, if you're a stressed out individual, Dylan already talked about it. Your digestion is going to go to shit. And if your digestion goes to shit, along with being stressed, you're going to get a one-two combo of struggling with your insulin sensitivity and your digestion. And that's when we see all these internal health problems really kind of start from is from that inf that inflammation that people don't bother, whether it's too much training or whether it's over dieting or something like that. And they don't, they don't read the signs that it's time to pull back. Um, and I think that's where learning how to test and things like that and how to actually manage it comes into play because the more you're able to manage that inflammation and lessen that, the more you're able to not only diet better, but you're also like Dylan said, there's two, there's two sides of this. It's dieting and also and growth, right? You're able to do both for a lot longer. If you can really kind of nail the, if you kind of nail that understanding inflammation, how to handle that too, as well. For sure. I look at it in another standpoint too. And I guess it, it kind of correlates to inflammation and stuff like that. But realistically, when like, obviously for myself, I deal with a lot of bodybuilders and people using PEDs and stuff. Right. And like, when we're talking, when we're talking PEDs, what's one of the things that we're massively concerned about? Well, um, plaque buildup, right. In, in arteries. And when you're talking about plaque buildup in arteries and you're talking about insulin resistance and, and blood sugars how do the two relate well realistically when you when you have when you're insulin resistant um essentially you're going to have higher levels of circulating lipids and triglycerides in the bloodstream right and like we know that when you look at, at blood work and so forth there, there's a level that you want to be very cautious around with triglycerides and stuff like that to make sure that you're healthy now when you have more sugars in the blood so a state where you are insulin resistant that sugar almost like acts of acts abrasively to the inside of the arterial and blood vessel yep. walls. Right. So this blood is carrying sugars, which are like a hard little particle. And when that particle is, is scratching up the surface of the arterial wall, and then these lipids, which are also small, hard particles are coming in contact with this abrasive surface, the chance of those kind of stockpiling and, and creating plaque increases so yes like free form circulating sugars in the blood is not directly causing plaque buildup but it is indirectly because now you're scratching the surface of the arterial walls and you're increasing the levels of circulating lipids and triglycerides in the blood so by one you're creating a, a more adhesive wall for lipids to stick on and on the flip side you're creating an environment where there's more circulating lipids. So it's literally just a recipe to 
create issues with plaque buildup and so forth, which is a big thing we're trying to avoid in bodybuilding, right? So that's another one. Like you guys nailed it with yours too. And I think another thing to think about, especially in the PB aspect for bodybuilders is just that, making sure that you are managing these things because, well, if you're having cholesterol issues and you're having plaque buildup issues, I mean, vitamin K2 and stuff work great, but a really, really simple way to, to help this stuff as well is make sure year round, you're controlling your insulin sensitivity. Yeah, I've seen it actually. Um, I think I did a post a while ago, actually, on this. I talked about fat. I talked about insulin resistance at the fat cell um, and discussing, you know, you don't want to get into that situation right, where you have kind of, I think it's called dyslipidemia or something. Dyslipidemia, yeah. Yeah, and you have to, then you have to fully like switch your diet. You have to fully do all these different things to kind of attack this issue. And that just sets you back, right? Like every single bodybuilder from this perspective and anyone who has physique goals has kind of like a timeline if we're trying to put things on it. By you not looking at these issues that we've just talked about, you're delaying that, you're, you're furthering that timeline that's going to take you to get to that goal, right? And I, yeah. and I don't yeah. say it's just the coach's issue to actually talk about, like, right? It's our issue to understand and we could tell people, like, if we see your blood glucose starting, starting to go higher and higher, there's something not being said there. And they continue to say, hey, we're being on diet. Something, something's off in the lifestyle changes. Um, and I guess we can get into kind of the, the basic, we can go more into kind of the strategies, um, unless we want to talk about testing first and we talk about ranges. Um, I, think, but, I, think there's, I think there's one more thing that might be important to talk about too, because... Yep. And, and I think, I know you guys agree with this, but blood glucose alone isn't the only thing we want to measure to make sure that we are healthy, right? Um, fasting insulin levels are really, really important too. And this is why for me, when I send out a, a blood work sheet that I want my athletes to get done, fasting insulin is on there because hyperinsulinemia is a thing too, right? And like hyperinsulinemia is just a fancy term of saying high insulin in the bloodstream. Well, if you have high insulin in the bloodstream and then you have high levels of sugar, triglycerides, et cetera, kind of going back to what we just talked about, that's literally one of the number one causes of, of heart disease and cardiovascular risk there is, right? So if you manage these things better, you're just going to be a better performing athlete, but you're also going to be a lot healthier over the long term. So I think it's important, like I said, to think about not only insulin and and or sorry blood sugar but actually when we're talking insulin resistance realizing that hyperinsulinemia and managing your your fasting insulin levels is extremely important too that's always the first step at yeah. least for me i don't know about you guys but that's always the first step i really don't even look at um at uh, blood glucose really much on a on a uh blood work panel i'm more so looking oh, at their a1c i mean we we all don't I, I look at their A1C and I look at directly at their yeah. fast insulin because if you my, see, athletes, my athletes check their blood glucose daily, so I don't need to really see it on blood work. Yeah, I don't need to. Yeah, I, I just compare results to see if their their monitor is actually showing the accurate data. Yeah, that's that's definitely what I do it for too as well. Um, because like you said, hyperinsulinemia, that's actually the first step right to insulin resistance. Like that's gonna how you're gonna know. Like that's kind of your precursor to be like, hey, this is where the body's at. And that can prevent things because your blood glucose can be fine. But if you have that, if you start seeing those signs of that hyperinsulinemia, then you're, then you're kind of like, okay, it's time to, 
it's time to take some action on it and implement some strategies to actually fix it. <laughs> yeah, because your blood glucose can be technically in optimal range or near, but <clears throat> that just means your pancreas for now is being efficient in producing enough insulin, overproducing insulin all the time so that it's getting rid of excess uh, sugars in the bloodstream, but it's not going to be able to do that process forever. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, so do we want to, who wants to start off? Let's, uh, should we go into test it and should we go into ranges or do we, should we start with, uh, some, some uh, basic strategies to actually helping and improving your insulin sensitivity? I think, I think testing is important because I think yep. there's a lot of things that can affect testing. Right. And we all have our athletes do, and I'm sure we have our athletes do very similar things when they are testing. Um, especially because of like your, your cortisol awakening response. Right. And there's, there's a lot of stuff there that can have an effect on blood sugars. And like, I've had athletes ask me like, is it okay if I just check in on just check-in day? And like, for the most part, sure. It's not my favorite just because of exactly that. Right. Like I like watching chronic and, and trends of things, not just a single acute. Cause you know what I mean? Like if you, if you diagnose, you have high, fasting blood sugars, but it's a super acute thing because of last night you were super stressed or you had a poor sleep. Well, how am I drawing a conclusion that you have high blood sugars all the time on basically a point in time this morning, yep. right? Versus if you tracked your blood glucose for the full week and you give me seven data points and I'm taking a, a, a running average on a weekly basis and I'm seeing, okay, you're hanging around 4.8, 4.4, 4.5. And it's continually trending in these directions and hanging there. And then something we do over time, we're adding more food, we're adding more food, we're adding more food. And now all of a sudden that weekly average is trending up, trending up, trending up. Okay. Is it the food? Are you under recovering? What's happening here? Right. And then you can kind of use that. So I, yeah, I think there's um, just getting into the testing is important because especially too with that cortisol awakening response, right? Because if you test at the wrong time, you could probably be literally testing and your body is what a cortisol awakening response is, I guess, essentially is when you wake up in the morning, cortisol, epinephrine, um, they're released and, and your liver essentially just like dumps and, and releases glucose and glucagon, all these different things, right? And it, it is going to have a drastic effect on blood sugars and that can basically push them to the surface. Um, so yeah, I'll, I don't want to talk the whole time here. That's kind of just what the cortisol awakening response is. Basically your cortisol spikes in the morning when that cortisol spikes, literally cortisol rises, epinephrine rises, and the liver just dumps out some glucose and, uh, potentially things like glucagon too, which also causes blood sugars to go up. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's timing things and there's ways we need to test. So take it. One of you guys. I, um, <clears throat> I kind of do the same thing. Uh, so with lifestyle clients, I get them to test for like two weeks every day when they first start with me. And then if I make a big dietary change, and if I'm not making it, if they're just rolling on their program for a while, which is usually what happens with a new lifestyle client, I just get them to do it once a week for adherence purposes. And then if I make a change or I suspect something, then I just say, hey, track it for me for this entire week. And then with my competitors, I think that I just like having the data points over time. And I think that if you're a competitor, you should be able to do it every morning personally, or at least like three times a week. I've negotiated with people for working different jobs or something, you know, like everyone's different, but three, four times a week, it at least gets you a consistent kind of block yeah. over time versus like what Braden said. It's like, well, if you're a shift worker and you're 
check-in day doesn't change what if you work i have lots of nurses and like different type of people like that it's like well if sunday fell on an afternoon shift or a night shift and you're only checking in on the sundays that's going to be fucked because you unless i can figure out your schedule almost but like that's too much work you know yeah i uh I also, in accordance to what Brayden also mentioned, there's a way to actually kind of work around that just a little bit. Um, and this is kind of what I tell all my people to do. And I think actually how to properly test is so important to actually get the right number. And 20 to 30 ounces of water will actually help with that. Yeah. With that, um, typically what you'll run into with that cortisol awakening is something called Don phenomenon, which yeah. is when you kind of get an odd reading based upon your liver actually dumping a F load of glucose into your bloodstream. Um, so drinking like 20 to 30 ounces of water right in the morning yep. will obviously help kind of with that. Obviously wiping, wiping the first, first drop of blood, first drop of blood is fairly important because you're going to have a sugar pool at that top, at your tip of your finger. Um, I've seen it. I've actually done this just because I wanted to see what the difference was. I think I tested it one time. I was like a 119. Yeah. <laughs> like and then my next reading was like an 83 <laughs> and I was like, Oh, all right. That's a big difference. Um, and time. that's, and time, obviously and I like to do popping out of bed and testing immediately, giving yourself like 20 to 30 minutes and drinking that water and going about uh, a very non-stressful routine in the morning before you test. Like, yeah, I stretch. I tell people if you're going to do mobility work or something, do it during that time like really kind of just sit down and have a nice few stretches, like just sit there and kind of plan your phone or do something, whatever, you know, I don't advise people to be on their phone directly in the first thing in the morning, but for me, at least I just watch like baseball highlights while I'm stretching. <laughs> um, that helps me greatly. Um, and then we're looking at ranges too. I mean, you guys have different ranges, right? And I think this is a big part of testing over what you're going to see. Um, for us in the U S optimal range will be anywhere from 70 to 85. I like to bring that up to 90 for my lifestyle people um, or even 95 for my lifestyle people, just because you're looking at someone that not particularly, you're not throwing huge nutrient, nutrient timing into their plan. Like you're not doing all these steps to really optimize everything. You're trying to get them to feel better and kind of just learn those steps. Obviously, as you go forward, then you kind of get into those processes. But um, your optimal range, you definitely want to be between like 70 and 85. I think that's exactly where you need to be. And if you're above that on the daily, there's something, this is, this is that sign that, hey, we need to change something, usually with the lifestyle or the diet. Um, and I do something very similar to Dylan, where I typically have people, lifestyle track three times a week. My competitors or anybody who's aspiring to compete, I think it's necessary to track every single day because we're able to see discrepancies and we're able to ask targeted questions in our check-ins, which I think is fairly important to understand what's going on in this person's life um, and really optimize their life for bodybuilding, right? Um, so obviously anything above 100 for us is really concerning. That's pre-diabetic. Um, at that point, you've, that's where we start to dig in and I start to control a little bit more of what's going on. And I start to really throw my heavy hitters at things to, to start getting things in order. Um, but I don't know what your guys' ranges. I I always mix up Canada ranges. So don't well, if anybody, if anybody, I was just gonna say, if anybody's wondering like what these numbers mean, if you literally divide those numbers by eighteen, that takes you to the Canadian ah. millimole per. We use millimole per liter. You guys use milligrams per deciliter. I believe it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's that's pretty much. I mean. 
I don't know what Dylan looks for. Really for me, because again, I, I do work with a lot of competitors and some guys pushing food in an off season. And I mean, I think for some people, it's a little asinine to think you're going to see a 4.5 across the board when they're eating 5,000 calories no. a day and they're in the peak of their off season. Right. But <clears throat> I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you're watching trends and seeing things, but for me, I do like looking, especially for like my females in the off season and stuff. Like, like you said, kind of anywhere from like a, a 4.5 to a 5.1 range is, is okay for me. Um, obviously, I like to see people kind of in the, in the higher fours, like 4.7, 4.8 is a really nice place to be. And if that's consistent, I love it. Um, but again, I mean, it depends. And well, quite frankly, if I have a guy who's sitting higher than that and he's eating 5,000 calories a day, that just tells me what we might need to support the pancreas. So yeah. insert insulin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's fair, right? Like there's, I mean, obviously you can, you can put in mitigation strategies and use things like berberine and you can try to lower stress levels and so forth. But I mean, eating 5,000 calories a day itself or 4,500 is, is stressful on the body. And so is training. So is all these things people have lives and work. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I, I like to see optimally 4.5 to, to 5.1, which I guess what would 5.1 times 18 be? Uh, that's um, like, it's like 90. That's like 90. Like 90. 90. Yeah. Roughly around that area. Again, it's below that hundred mark. I think if we're getting up to like the five, five point five six range. Yeah. That's scary. And, and I've actually been buying insulin in the past and I had the, the pharmacist grilling me. What are your levels? What are your levels? And I was just fucking throwing out numbers like 6.5. Oh, you're good, man. You don't need insulin. That, that, anything above a seven is what's dangerous. And I'm like, buddy, just give me the insulin. <laughs> <laughs> if I was waiting for sevens on blood work from athletes, I would like when they're giving me their readings in the morning, I would never see one. And I would think everybody's perfect. It doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to optimize people, not just fucking, okay, here's where the danger zone is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just how much can you get away with before you're dead. It's um I look for basically the same things you guys are. I, I kind of watch that range. I, I don't like for even some competitors, honestly, like 95 for some females is pretty normal. Yeah. Honestly, it, yeah. like in an off season, you know, it's uh I'm starting to see that. And the less I stress people out about it, the less the better the off they are. So I think yeah. there's some and we go by feel. So I've, I've put a little less stock in the numbers themselves versus the trends. And then I just pay attention to how the person feels depending on what updates I'm doing. And I try to watch for patterns, yeah. but I kind of have been taking now cause I'm getting a little bit more, um, which is really fun. Like every, I get a lot less inquiries now, but every inquiry that I get is like a person that I'm like a really, it's either a competitor or someone who really wants to develop their physique or like an aspiring competitor. That's what they've been the last little bit, which is really awesome. But I kind of, after doing a lot of this mentorship stuff with Dr. Scott, I've been treating my off seasons sort of like that, where if the blood sugar gets out of range, then I'm inserting hemolog if it's an enhanced athlete. Yeah. For sure. I'm, I'm going to use it. Uh, uh, an insulin to keep it in range and then I'll carb heavy around training with nutrient timing. And I think you can get a, a lot longer off season based on just the anecdote and, and also the theory that I've been provided. And it's seeming to work. I've, especially if you get a person who's starts off pretty lean and they can grow through, you know, and you can escalate tools and keep their food going up. It's really, really handy. Uh, 
So I, it seems to have a correlation to body composition too. Yeah, and people think this like, I think there's a pretty like, yeah, sure. Okay, on a, on a very basic level, insulin can be a scary drug if you use it stupidly and improperly. But on the flip side, I think it also is a lot safer than many, many, many drugs and can be used. Honestly, I think that's such a crop out of the industry. Yeah, I yep. think it is too. This is often people say that it's dangerous. I'm like, you who made that up? Like you guys are, I get like the, the consequences can be acutely dangerous. That's yep. the difference. But again, it's like anything in an abusive setting, right? Like we're not telling people to go rep 30 units of Humalog per meal, Never. right? Like that, Never. that definitely. That's not, <laughs> that's, not, that's not optimization also. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, anyway, it's like, you're not trying to use this to, push to the utmost extremes you're trying to keep people's body in a like when your your pancreas is stressed because we're trying to do something that normal physiology doesn't want to do we're yeah. literally forcing an adaptation and i think people forget that and it's like if there's tools to aid your bodily processes that you're stressing out from all the other things you're doing and then telling me that that bioidentical hormone which like my 90 year old grandma used and never died for like 50 years is dangerous this is because they don't understand. If you actually understand application and know how to use it and you have somebody to educate you on using it properly, it can be used so safely and you won't even feel a thing. Like you'll you literally <laughs> nothing will happen. Yeah. You actually will feel better. You know I what think, I mean? 100%. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and this is where I'll say this too. I think a lot of people look at numbers to determine like what's going on obviously if a person's getting soft you and you're seeing like those numbers like what's optimal for someone might not be optimal for another person i think each number is different like i have a guy you know we've talked about him he's doing two 24 hour he's doing a 24 hour fast right now actually he's done it so he feels he was pretty damn hungry today i was like ah we might see you go a little hypo today um but but um but we got up to like 89 average Right. And we were seeing inflammation start to happen in like under recovery from the training. So what am I doing this growth phase? Okay. I'm taking things back, taking volume back. And then we implemented a few things. We took an eight week health phase to allow him to kind of clean up and get things in order. And now we're going to push again. Right. But I know where his number typically is for where he starts to get kind of soft and things. But I also know that I pushed him probably a little too hard and didn't do proper deloads there. So that was probably on my end. So that's a learning experience for me. Um, but I think a lot of people, if you don't have access to insulin, I think you have to go with other means. And, and I'm not saying, and I'm kind of talking to more of like my natural guys or people that oh, I mainly yeah, coach yeah. that well, I mainly coach too. Um, I think the number one, the number one strategy, I think for all of us, um, there's going to be two here. I think one is nutrient timing. I think it's going to be probably one of the biggest benefactors for, um, glucose management. Um, this is considering that you're not eating it too much, right? I think a lot of people come to us sometimes maybe eat, not knowing what they're eating or eating too much, uh, inflammatory type foods. So taking that out really does justice right away, typically for a lot of people. Or they're just um, eating too much carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Eating too much carbs or eating too, or even a possibility of too much protein. There is, there is that too, as well. Yeah. Um, I've ran into a few cases or like fat. that <laughs> or fat, um, all the, all of the above, um, but you look at it. nutrient timing and placing carbs, placing carbs more around that peri workout window, um, in the pre intra and post. Cause I don't think enough people use an intra enough 
but a lot of people don't train hard enough for to use the intra. That's why I don't place it in a lot of lifestyle people's plans until they can actually prove to me that they could train hard, train hard enough. Then I start to dial in that nutrient timing a little bit harder because I'm like, okay, now we can actually utilize this for what it's worth. Right. Well, and like if you're eating 200 grams of carbs only, it's not, and you're a lifestyle athlete, getting 50 of those carbs from a HBCD during training when you don't train that hard Dumb. is like, you're going to want to eat. <laughs> you're going to feel starving the rest of your day. Yeah, I can exactly. tell you that. Um, so nutrient timing is obviously my biggest one. Um, second one, stress management. I think this is, we can all agree, like we already talked about, stress is going to be your biggest driving factor. If you continue to be stressed, your body's going to continue to not be able to process through blood glucose and it's going to just stay in your bloodstream and you're just going to be fucked um, to keep it quite frank. So, so actually managing it with a lot of deep breathing. I like to do cold showers in the morning for a lot of people. Um, that's helped some of my clients greatly is by adding in a cold shower in the morning, walking um, in the morning and the, in the walking, sunrise, walking in the morning, fast it in the sunrise. Yeah. I think a yeah. lot of people don't do enough fasted, fasted car. I count it. I call it fasted cardio in a way, like getting like 4,000, three, 4,000 steps right mm -hmm. in the first thing in the morning, man, I could tell you that makes a huge difference for a lot of people. It's really, it's even proven. And this is like, there's a lot of data on this postprandial walks too. So walking after a meal, yep, going to aid in digestion, but it's also going to drastically help and improve blood glucose levels. So if I have somebody who's really, really struggling, especially like a lifestyle athlete and they have the ability to move around, well, after you have your meals, I'm going to get you to go for like a 10, 15 minute walk. And that'll help stabilize blood sugars a little bit more and, and get them rolling and get you into a better spot too but yeah no i agree facet walks in the morning man are huge that's something that's that's something that uh i've actually started implementing more in my diet phase now in my fat loss phase is those yeah. walks after meals i did it and when i started with mark and then like as i got busier and i and as i just started to like move and like the winter comes and you were and i was heavy as fuck and i was like 200 pounds i was like i don't want to walk <laughs> after every single meal mm -hmm. um but i started doing it and i've just seen my nutrient partitioning get a lot better from it um, and it's a great, and it's a great way to get in steps too. Like yeah. for a lot of us, we keep steps. At least for me, I have a lot of people have like eight to 10,000 steps a day. Like it's not, if you just sit around all day, you're going to struggle to get those steps. So it's, yeah. Well, you, you have like literally like 500 steps a day. You cannot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so can't bring up his, no, he just doesn't want to eat a ton of food. I'm kidding. Um, but, but, um, but it just makes sense, right? Is to get those things. And then I don't even need to bring up supplementation yet, right? Because I think that's actually in technically an advanced strategy. I mean, obviously I'll put that in with, with everything else to optimize everything is great. So I'll do something like a GDA within the pre and post workout meals where you're going to have a ton of those carbs. Um, those will help greatly. Um, my big ones, my big two are probably, and I've used both is Morpho Drive number one, and then glucose by revive. Um, I like yeah, both I formulas. Love, I love glucose by revive, man. I love Morpho drive by Morpho drive. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, Cutler transfer. You do like Cutler transfer. Dylan, Dylan's on this dehydro berberine uh, trip right now. I haven't tried it yet. I need to try it. That's one thing I'm going to try. Um, but I think, like, I guess on a more basic level, Berberine, HCL, dihydroberberine, chromium, Ceylon cinnamon, even using like actual powdered Ceylon cinnamon if you don't have access to more. That's what's in transfer is dihydroberberine 
hand silence and just yeah and like i actually i went through a phase man and i'm not joking you i would buy like five bottles of ceylon cinnamon organic from save on and i would put it on every single meal oh i put cinnamon on everything yeah I, I don't i don't do it anymore but there was i was literally loading it on everything i normally try to and this is maybe just where i differ a little bit than you and but is uh i try to not actually use um gdas in the post training window just because people are, are usually pretty highly insulin sensitive that's even if somebody is quite and they might be insulin resistant that's probably the one time a day that they're insulin sensitive. And, and yes. so I'll definitely always use the pre-training and stuff, but I'll try to like, if I want somebody having two, three servings of a, a GDA a day, I'll try to not include it post-training and I'll put it elsewhere so that they're, even if sometimes man, I'll use it in carbless meals, right? Cause you're still going to have circulating blood sugars and, and whatnot, and you can really help drive those things. So, yeah, I mean, that's just my own interpretation and usage. Yeah, I've never actually seen that. So I've heard of it, but I've never actually seen so like I've heard of people doing it that way. Because I think also when you think about it, these GDAs don't just it's not just a most of these aren't just glucose management. Like if you look at some of the formulas, it's like, there's a lot of other things in there that can help things. And I think also like taking care of your liver, too, is another one that could be a great basic tool to actually help with managing your blood glucose. I implemented something as simple as knack for someone who was on TRT and their blood glucose went from like hundreds plus down to like eighties. Like, and that's the only thing we didn't use a GDA or anything. It was just strictly just flushing that is getting that liver to optimize too. Right. Um, So I think that that's also a big one. I I really like that strategy too. I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I like doing is I do what Braden does. I like having it pre-training for lots of people pre-bed that same training day yeah. and then i'll actually put it with their first and last meal on non-training days and i actually like that strategy and i think that i think on your non-training days actually it's just as much a benefit if not more maybe and uh then for like anthony said for um i've just been implementing just um just cetria glutathione like for if someone can't afford like a, a formula that has maybe that and other things you know, like a revive product or HT muscle, like those products, but not everyone can afford them. Just a basic Cetria glutathione really has people feeling pretty damn good quickly. Usually if they're already watching some other things, I want to be careful about how I word that. Cause if you're paying attention to nothing and you just take two supplements, you're not going to feel good. I can expand further on actually, cause I know you mentioned what you really like to do on what I really like to do too. Um, I'll do what you do in terms of I'll dose a, um gda like a berberine or something or a berberine based product before bed but i'll also in the morning instead of dosing one i'll actually use metformin um or i'll vice versa i'll use metformin before bed and a gda in the morning like berberine oh yeah that's a great tool so you can get that I speaking like, just found a bunch i yeah, got something now Oh, look at this guy. Look at this. Look at this guy. There's a there's a story behind this one that we can't say on that i can't say <laughs> But uh, uh, so the big thing, the big thing with like berberines and especially berberine and metformin, you have to, you can't really stack them, right? Because I mean, <laughs> no. somebody will be no. glued to the toilet if you do that. And like, I'm sure a lot of people have made that mistake before thinking they, 
They're like, I'm going to be so insulin sensitive. I'm going to be so insulin sensitive. I'm going to hammer the berberine. I'm going to hammer the metformin. Yeah, you're going to be insulin sensitive because your body is not actually going to digest the food. It's going to go straight through you. That's going to be the worst mistake you ever made, my friend. (laughs) You will learn. And then then people are wondering, like, well, why was I shooting my brains out? Well, because you stacked the two of them. I mean, at the end of the day, we know that metformin can have that early onset anyways doing that with some some gut issues but yeah i think going back to the ranges too there was something i wanted to say everybody is is very different yep right even even where somebody's hypoglycemia point is where somebody's gonna go hypo man, like I, man, I have so for instance one of my one of my the biggest bodybuilder on my team um man he can go he can go below threes and not be super super hypo now when it gets to like mid twos He's hypo. I know for myself, fuck, if I'm mid twos, man, I'd be dead. My lips, my lips are numb. I'm shaking. I'm like absolutely whacked. Oh, I can't even remember what happened five seconds ago. Like I'm out to lunch and I'm worried about dying. <laughs> funny story. Funny story on that. Um, this week I started taking a, not, this is not actually a plug. I was actually starting to take this because I want to get my, I want to make sure everything in my insides is pretty good. Um, just to kind of, and I have dollar bills to kind of spend. So I've been taking Morpho Prime, um, which has probably actually been where I got this liver thing from and taking care of the liver <laughs> is it's, I mean, I've also done this before with other people, but I think my liver has actually been clearing out and I've started to see just like new lows on my blood glucose. And like, I started seeing seventies, I literally went from 89 to 93 down to 82. And I was like, Oh, this should be fun three days this week out of cardio i've been dumb enough to go pose after my cardio and not eat or anything and uh i think i got out of the shower and i'm just like cold sweating it for like a good 20 minutes and i'm like the last sunday i was incapable of doing anything for an hour it was my first time going hypo in a long time and i was like oh yep i'm not to be i'm not to be bothered for the next hour and a half while i try to recover from this oh man i gotta i'll tell you a story that's funny too here this is this scared the shit out of Kim. She was freaking out. <laughs> oh, my parents so, freaked out on me one time too. Yeah. So I was, I uh, trained legs, brutal leg day. And uh, Kim and I were going over dinner for a cheat meal afterwards. I'm hustling out of the house. I come home, shower, we're going for dinner. My post-workout meal is going to be this cheat meal. So I didn't ingest anything or whatever. We're going to this Italian restaurant. So we sit there and we, we sit down. Obviously, it takes like whatever, 45 minutes to actually get your food once you order. It's already been probably an hour and a half since I got home from the gym. I showered. We got out of the house. So it's been like two hours since I've had anything. Well, as I was leaving my house, I hammered two Berberine HCLs. Oh, man, let me tell you. I'm sitting there and we get our appetizers. We're at an Italian restaurant, so it's super fatty food. Yes, it's kind of higher in carb, but it's super, super fatty. Lots of oils and stuff. We're sitting there and like, I had eaten a lot of food by this point, like a lot of food and I'm starting to feel fucking spacey and (laughs) (laughs) you'll get this. This is the funniest part of this. Kim's parents neighbor has owned a bunch of, bunch of fancy like Italian restaurants in our city for, for years. Well, we're at this place and all of a sudden Joe comes up and, and notices us and we notice him in. We're like, Oh my goodness, Joe, like, is this your new restaurant? We start talking with him mid-conversation, mid-conversation. I look at Kim and I'm like, I'm a, 
literally, I'm not joking. I'm about to hit the floor. I'm about to pass out. I can barely talk. I'm so fucking hypo at this point. And he's standing at the table. And I don't want to be rude. I'm sweating and I'm sitting there and like, fuck, I have to leave. So I literally got up and I just said, I, I got, I'll be right back. I went to the washroom and I'm just fucking splashing water on my face, doing everything I could. And then I come back and I was just, Joe had went away and I was like, babe, we need to get me a Coke now. We need to get, and I was freaking out, man. Cause I thought I literally was at the point. I don't remember ever being that hypo in my life. And I thought I was going to sit at the table and just fucking pass out right at the table in this restaurant. Not to mention it's a very close family friend of Kim's restaurant that we're sitting in. Oh man, it was horrible. It was horrible. And then Kim's freaking out, like losing her mind, scared shitless. And I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to calm her down. I'm like, it's fine. Like I've been hypo before, but in my head, I'm like, this ain't fine. I I went hypo. First time going hypo was after leg day. It was, I forget. It was like a few years ago. I was still training. Like Mark's my coach at this time. And I was just like, fuck. So I felt like off by the end of my workout and I was packing my bag at the gym and I was like, man, should I grab a Gatorade or not? And I decided to be dumb and not do it. Knowing I have a 25 minute drive home. I'm, I'm the parking lot. No joke. Leave the parking lot. And I'm just like, I I'm in my car and I'm just like, fuck, I just start cold sweating. And then my, like, my hand starts to like shake. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, this could be a miserable ride home. I'm like sitting there, like bent over on the wheel, like trying to fucking drive home. And, um, and I get home, I open the door. I barely am able to open the door because my hands just like fidgeting the whole time. And my parents, and I walk in cause I'm living with my parents. So this time and they're like, I was like, mom, I need food. I was like, where's the food? And I was just like, and I didn't know. And I, at that point I was really stupid and I still didn't have all my trainings under me. And I was like, I just need rice. I was like, I'll be good. <laughs> I probably should have grabbed like Gatorade powder and fucking chugged the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, my parents are like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, I think I'm going hypo. And they're like, what the fuck does that mean? They're just staring at me. Like they don't know what the fuck is going on. And I'm just like over there, just like collapsing, like about to pass out. And I was just, that was pretty scary actually. Honestly, and this is something that I've utilized with people and people don't realize it. The insulin response or sort of like the blood sugar response from um, some like EAAs or, or leucine itself actually has a very, very good effect to kick you out of there. So like that's what I when I used to do um, like fasted cardio in my nationals prep, I would pose like you said after. And I got to the point that I was like, always going hypo every morning but i wasn't using slin or anything in the morning so like i wasn't super concerned about passing out i just knew that it was like not good so i'd sit down for a few minutes or whatever and then i just started kind of fucking with bringing some eas with me because my fasted cardio is done i'm posing so i would basically like pose for a little bit hammer these eas and i would actually add add a little bit of leucine to it and then i would pose a little bit more as soon as I started doing that, I was never going hypo. It actually was just enough to keep me from going hypo. And I've, I've had a lot of people do it now. If somebody starts going hypo and like they're not in a setting where they've used insulin or anything like that, and they're just getting like early onset hypoglycemia, I basically just tell them, hey, hammer a set of EAAs or a scoop of EAAs or something with some leucine in it while you're cooking up your meal. You don't need to go have a bunch of sugar or anything like that. You're going to be fine. And usually yeah. it does work out. Dylan, you got any crazy, you got any crazy hypo stories? Uh, not that long ago, actually, when Brady put him a log. Oh, this is funny. Oh, this so, is good. This is good. 
Oh, there's got to be. Good. I was at the gym. Or Sierra. Like, yeah, I know. And I had sent my fiance to get groceries, and I was like, "Get me some some juice, some orange juice, or pomegranate juice, something, but natural shit. I don't know, know nothing to concentrate." So, okay, so I get next morning. I'm going to do my training. I'm making my intro workout. I look at this juice, and I looked at it. The problem is, so it's kind of my fault too, because I looked at it and I it said pure natural, all that shit, and I was like, "Oh yeah, good, right on." So, <laughs> first ingredients, orange juice. So I pour this damn thing in there, and I go to the gym. I'm about two sets into legs and I'm on the adductor machine. I get up and I'm like, Oh, Kevin, I don't feel good. Can you get my intro? Like right now, like hurry up. <laughs> so, so he gets my intro. I fucking guzzled the whole thing. And then I sat down like, and it was just, it was three quarters full still. I sat down and I was like, I'm not getting better at all. I'm getting worse. Do you have carbolin? He's like, yeah, in my bag or in the truck. And I'm like, you get it now. <laughs> so he runs out, runs out to the truck give me a half scoop of carbol and I chugged that started to feel better. And I was just flabbergasted because I was like, there's no way based on using, I think I was at like three or four IU at the time and I'm eating quite a bit of food. I was like, there's no way that 50 carbs shouldn't have pulled me out of that or, or sorry, at 35 was in the juice. Apparently well, I get home and it's this reduced sugar, fucking half calories. Splenda loaded juices. Yeah, literally. It had like 11 carbs or something. And I was like, oh, well, that's, I guess, why I just had EAAs pretty much. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love my juices anyway. Less that must have been miserable. We've been been doing that now. Like, my intro is now down to like 40 grams of carbs. And at my highest, it was at 120. Just to give you some perspective, yeah. I couldn't stomach that. I, I would puke, bro. I couldn't stomach that. Uh, I, I, I had plenty of fine. I did. I was fine. It just takes a lot of. You just got to get one of these like thirty-five ounce ones and fucking bring it up all the way. Most I've ever done, man, in my intro, seventy-five grams of carbs from HBCD, and I still. I'm 50, That's probably the limit to what I 50, could. Fifty's my spot, though. Still, I feel way better. I get. I just feel fucking heavy and bloated a little bit when i go to and like feels like i'm drinking fucking molasses yeah not gonna lie i'd much rather just have an add more rice to like a meal prior to my pre-workout meal than than having to because my meals were huge at that point they were like 400 gram rice meals like they were big so so um but so i think did we go over everything that we need to go for did we give some good strategies did we get some good information today yeah i think i think that's pretty good i mean we'll definitely well, plan these ones out a little bit more um i plan to get a little more organized for the people just to kind of let you guys under, understand where we're at we obviously we obviously just shot from the hip today again um but we are going to plan to make these a bit more streamlined have have a bit of topics have have some questions ready have kind of a a strategy going into it so we know kind of the direction we're going to go in even though we might shoot off the hip we'll at least have some questions ready for ourselves to answer should for you like guys. A, should we do like a recap in terms of like what leads to insulin resistance how to yeah, sure. yeah. do you guys so want to give one go ahead Brandon. there's i think it's pretty simple and then you guys can add anything to this um sure. one of them i'm going to add because i know one of my athletes is going to listen to this and she's going to like that i add this first and foremost alcohol alcohol absolutely leads to insulin resistance um <clears throat> And that would also lead to alcohol directly can impact inflammation, which obviously inflammation, like we said, is a huge one. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, poor timing of, of carbohydrates and choosing sugars and times where you're not going to utilize them, right? So nutrient timing, sleep, overeating in general, um, and stress. Those are the ones for me that are 
are big, big factors that lead to insulin resistance, stress, alcohol, um, poor nutrient timing and, and timing of poor choices of foods per se. Um, and uh, yeah, inflammation. Yeah. And then to kind of handle this, some strategies you guys can do, obviously put more of your carbs, more of your daily carbs within your pre and post-workout meals. Intra, if you train hard enough, will definitely be a useful tool during this. Um, look at your stress management. Stress management and sleep are going to when it comes down to this. Make sure that you're you know, getting off your phone or at least putting your phone in like a blue light or do what Dylan's doing right now. He has his big ass blue light blockers on. Um, that will obviously help a lot. Make sure you got a good nightly routine down. Um, make sure you're getting seven, eight hours of sleep at least, because if you start getting any less, you are going to start to see high blood glucose numbers. Um, and I can guarantee you that's going to happen. Um, in terms of, in terms of other strategies, you can also use some supplementation. Um, berberine is probably a big choice for all of us. Um, if you start to see fast insulin numbers get high, I would honestly recommend working with a coach. Um, you can work with either three of us. Um, I believe we have spaces all, um, and working to maybe utilize some metformin, um, and using that strategy along with the other ones. Um, and overall, just, just keeping things intense too, like keeping your training hard, utilizing the nutrients at hand, right? The more food you're able to kind of, more food you're able to use, more food you're going to be able to push, which will just lead to more growth. But keeping your stress, sleep, and nutrient timing under control will do a really good justice. And stay hydrated. Stay mm -hmm. hydrated. Hydrated is huge. There's one more thing I wanted to add too, because it came to mind. And it, honestly, I'm sure you guys have dealt with this too. All the time, my females bring it up. When you are on your cycle or your time of month, it is going to affect your blood glucose readings. And I guarantee you, if you're tracking trends, like me on my end, I have all of your guys' blood glucose readings from last week, the week before, the week before, I have labeled when your cycle was. You go back to those weeks you had your cycle, most women are going to have fluxes in their blood glucose trending upwards because of the hormonal changes. It's nothing to freak out about. The body is changing the hormones. We know that when you are in a state of, of hormone flux, the body is changing and things just are handled differently. Chances are, as soon as that time of month is done, it's going to come back to normal range and you'll be good. Yep. Yeah, that's bang on. As you're transitioning through luteal to menstruation, through yeah. follicular, you have this progesterone, estrogen, testosterone yep. slide going on, and everyone's a little different. And then there's a bunch of loop systems, right? So like if you're someone who suffers with X symptom that causes like heavy cramping and that could be a nutrient deficiency or, but there's genetic propensity there too. Yeah, yeah. And if, if that, if that causes your sleep to go, well, then you're going to be more inflamed because of the sleep, but also because of the root, right? So, you know, if you're more irritable and you get in more fights, you know, and this is, this happens, you know, it's like, then you're going to have higher stress in your life for that short period of time potentially in your household or work you know so there's everyone's or if your digestion goes to crap body temperature up stressful up the body. feel good so there's all these kind of loop systems that track yeah. back to regulating up blood glucose yeah for sure yep don't you want to add anything before we head out uh no not really um you know you know if you're just it's nothing i i guess to play my own devil's advocate the thing is is the fitness industry um 
you know, like Lexa, Lexa and I had a really interesting talk today and it was something like, you know, like if you're, if you're a coach that talks about giving macros to clients that you're viewed as like an easy coach, if you're like, we have all these cognitive disassociations with food. Now we've tribalized food and blood glucose has been something that's been talked about by so many nonsense people now that don't really know what they're talking about, that you have athletes that come to you. Cause I have to teach most athletes about this. However, there are some that have come and still are with me that are way too stressed out. They've taken their scale weight obsession and just moved that into their BG meter or some other obsession. And it's like, if you're just negative emotion about a marker all the time, it's, and a marker that's relative of stress, it's going to go up, right? Because if you're stressing out about it, you know, you're going to end up making your blood glucose higher <laughs> through cortisol release. And then you're going to stress out about that. And there's that kind of that loop. So track it. It's just data. Try to improve it. And, you know, don't stress about it too much. I think there's there's one thing I want to add to that is unrelated to what you just said. And it goes back to us bringing up the usage of exogenous insulins. Um, don't do it if you're not educated on it. Make sure you have a supervised professional that understands the usages of it in dosing you and, and so forth, right? Like, Cause like we said, it is a very safe drug to use, but it also is, if you don't know how you're doing it and you don't know what you're doing, it also can be dangerous for sure. It's not something to lose your mind about that. It's going to kill you, but if you use it very wrong, it absolutely could be right. So this is where, if you're going to use something like that, you have to understand onset times. You have to understand that Humalog is a fast acting insulin. It's going to be onset in 15 minutes. You use something like Lantus or Novolin R going to look a lot different right? There's purposes and uses for every one of those. If you're going to use this stuff and you're a bodybuilder and you want to use these in a setting that's going to potentially make you healthier over the long term, as well as increase maybe some fullness in your physique and allow you to continue to progress further by pushing food further, etc. Work with somebody that understands this stuff. And I feel like there's a lot of people that just, especially in our industry, in the bodybuilding industry, really don't understand insulin. And that's the fact of the matter. I think there is that people just prescribe it and, and don't understand what it's doing. So my main takeaway there is it can be used very, 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 very effectively and very, very, very safely. Don't use it if you have no idea what you're doing and don't just start Googling things to try to figure out how to use it. Get somebody in your corner that understands it, knows how to use it, knows how to dose it for you and uh, can basically take your biofeedback and adjust things accordingly. Yeah, nice. honestly, I think, sorry to add to that, Braden, you know, not that I would never and I understand it very well. But like, I even feel better having, using it, having you watching over the numbers because I pay you to watch over my numbers and I don't, I wouldn't do it for myself. Yeah. Truthfully, you know, like maybe I could, if I was like, okay, you're going to coach yourself and this is what you're going to do, but I, I don't, I'm not really interested in that. So I just think that I would slack off on my, I would be one of those guys that eventually it's like, ah, I check BG yesterday. You know, it's like, 100%. I have to, yeah. you know, I have like an accountability with you and, you know, our processes. It's like, it, it keeps me on par. So I think that's very important. Uh, good and last and last point, And this is the overall big point. If you're going to test, test hands before you actually test, wash and fully dry your hands, wipe away the first drop of blood that you take out of there um in terms of other things drink 20 to 30 ounces of water wait approximately another 15 to 20 minutes after doing that yeah. to test do something really stress-free during that time period um and lastly i've seen this too 
Sometimes if you get a really odd number, test twice. Test twice, take the lowest yeah. number out of the two and send that one to your coach. Don't, don't just take what the first number says. If it seems really off from the day prior, just take two in case you need. Um, even even I know, three, send, send the middle number. Yeah, I know. I know glucose trips are expensive, guys. I know they're not. I know yeah. they're not. I know they're not cheap, but it's a big value that us three coaches at least hold in a pretty high regard in terms of things and help us see trends a lot better. Um, and it's really important for coaches who know how to read biofeedback to use this number wisely and to yeah. understand it. And that relies upon proper testing from the client. So make I'll, sure add something, I'll add something to that too, based on the cost side of things. If you are a Canadian and you have health care coverage, if you go to a pharmacy, most pharmacies, you can get a free monitoring device and everything that you need, a, a Lansing device and all of the entire kit, not including test strips. So that will be covered for you. So you actually don't even need to pay for the device. All you have to pay for is your test strips. That only applies really to Canadians. I don't think you guys have that option in the no, US. But it's cheap, but it's like 18 bucks for the one that I recommend all my clients do. Yeah, there you go. So there, there's lots of good options there. Just make sure. That's another thing. I feel like a lot of monitors are pretty shitty. So make sure you're getting a decent one. Um, I use the contour next one. I recommend all my clients use the contour, contour next one. one. Yep. It was sold out on Amazon for like four months, man. Really? That's the yeah. one I have, too, but I'm not sure. I love it. Well, you have, I think you, Dylan, have a contour next. Like you have the one with the little smiley face and stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that's called a next. I can't remember. It's like a skinny black one, more so. Like a yeah, little skinny yeah. black one. Yeah. Like I know. Dylan, I don't know that yours, you're talking. Dylan gets a smiley face if his blood glucose is in range. Yeah. I like that. Give me a smiley face. <laughs> Too. I got like a Power Rangers meter on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> that one's actually super cool though. That one's super cool because it can, uh, I believe it tracks your own trends over time. And yeah, and it scores of... it too. So if I want to go look, I can yeah. see this. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. No. See that, that one's really cool for that. I was actually looking at that at the pharmacy recently. It like goes on your phone too. And it's all on your phone. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm going to go continue to die. Um, I'm kidding. I'm very, I'm very happy with where my dieting's at, but I'm going to go suffer for another week. Um, boys, um, we'll definitely catch up. Um, if you guys did enjoy this episode, um, there are some big things coming with the podcast too um, that I'm waiting to announce. So I can't wait to tell you guys more about that. Um, these guys already know um, because we were in discussions about it, um, where this thing is going. Um, we're heading into a new chapter of a lot of things over here. Um, so just be ready. There's going to be a few announcements, hopefully within the next month that you guys will really kind of get to know. Um, but if you guys did enjoy this episode, which I think you guys all will, I think this is a big topic that a lot of people like and really try to understand more. Um, share with us on your Instagram stories. Uh, share it with a friend if someone needs to hear it. Um, reach out to us for coaching if you want, if you want any further help managing this or have any questions with it, definitely reach out to me, Braden or Dylan on Instagram. We're basically all on our DMs at some point in time during the day. Um, so we'll definitely get you an answer if you have a question. Um, if you enjoy the episode and you're new to listening, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on the YouTube. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. Maybe, who knows? And we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we we'll, yeah, we when, we, when we get a time here, uh, for us um but we will see you guys all next week uh on the Espada podcast later guys
See you guys later.